We all know dental school is hard, but being a dentist in the real world is even harder. And what about all those things they don't teach you in dental school, like how to talk to patients and when to buy a practice? New Dentist Boost Camp is here to help you. Easily download and watch 12 hours of valuable CE, giving you tools you will want to implement immediately to help with your day-to-day in the office and lessons that will help you through your entire dental career. Learn from Dr. Paul Goodman and top dental professionals. Gain confidence in crown preps, class two composites, root canals, and implants. Increase patient acceptance. Effectively communicate to your patients and your dental team. This beneficial course is $9.95, but because Dental Nachos loves to see happy dentists succeeding, they are offering new dentist boost camp to dental students for $3.95. Visit dentalnachos.com slash NDBC for more information and to purchase your discounted download of new dentist boost camp. Watch it and rewatch it anytime. This will be an impactful reference tool that you can continue to learn from and use. Buy it today to help you find a good job Start paying your student loans back faster and feel great about dentisting. That's what it's all about. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here with you, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, as always, and uh, welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Today, we're joined by Dr. Tyler Bond. Uh, Dr. Bond is a practicing dentist, born and raised in western Washington State. He attended uh, Brigham Young University from 2012 to 2014, and then graduated from Midwestern University's Arizona Dental Program in 2018, where he received multiple awards for implant and digital dentistry, including the AAID Student Award and the Comprehensive Implant Dentistry Award. And we're going to talk uh, with Tyre a little bit about uh, his experience at Midwestern Dental School. It's a cool place. We have clients and colleagues that, uh, that have gone there, and so it's... Uh, uh, it's a, an interesting place in terms of how the, the accelerated uh, clinical yeah, aspects. Yeah, I've learned a lot about myself. Very interesting. Yeah. And uh, Tyler's currently serving in the United States Navy at Naval Base Kitsap in Washington State. And will be stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina with the Marines for three years starting uh, this summer. Uh, Tyler and his wife, Rachel, have two wonderful girls who are two years old and six months old. And uh, so it sounds like Tyler's got a few uh, things yeah. going there. He's Busy stuff. nacho play you got <laughs> yeah. there, Tyler. So we're going to talk uh, with him today about his career path and uh, his experience as a military doctor and just some food for thought for, for uh, some of our younger dentists. Now, without further ado, here's Dr. Tyler Bond. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much. It's so great to uh, be with you guys today. 
Um, I'm super honored to be able to to speak with you guys for the next 40 minutes or so. Well, thanks for taking the time as, as we read through the bio and everything going on in your life. Uh, Paul can appreciate yeah, it. It's, it's, like it's impressive, young, impressive bio, Tyler. I think you should retire. You've done enough. It's, yeah, you've, 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 you've oh, contributed man. enough. Uh, Are you telling me to stay in the Navy, Paul? Yeah. Um, so uh, we always start with a hard-hitting question. Uh, since uh, we're the Dental Amigos, and you know, you know, I am a big nacho fan. What is your favorite nacho topping? If we're going to go, if we were going to go out for nachos, and uh, you know, you were going to pay for them for me. No, I'm just joking. Uh, what uh, oh. what topping would you pick? Oh man, um, it's either going to be jalapenos or it's going to be my boy Tapatio. Uh, I really like spicy nachos. That's uh, kind of my jam. Spicy nachos. I, I, I like that. I like jalapenos. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have to uh, do that. We got a chance to meet each other at the Voices of Dentistry last year, which was a lot of, lot of fun. I got the lecture. Mm-hmm. Given uh, uh, many lectures in my day, but that was the first lecture I had in a tent, and that's where we got to meet. So uh, that was a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> fun, fun event. Um, so, Tyler, you know, let's... Uh, we typically don't do this sort of going back through the bio, but I think you're... Your career path is is an interesting one, and and uh, as Paul and I have talked about before, we've had other guests on the show, and Richard Lowe uh, being one of them. That in this day and age, with uh, student debt being what it is, and the cost of going to uh, to college and then dental school, you know there are other alternatives there, and and uh, uh, military uh, provides uh, some resources and options uh, which you have taken advantage of. So. If you can, just take our, our listeners through, you know, when you uh, got involved with the military and, you know, what that commitment has looked like and what, what you've gotten uh, in return so far. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. So when I was applying to dental school, um, you kind of have to apply. If you're looking to join the military and going that route, you kind of want to be applying for that process as well, believe it or not. Um, applying for the military scholarship is just as rigorous as applying for dental school. And so um, when I started applying for dental schools, I essentially uh, went and met with my recruiter. Um, I went and talked to um, all three different branch recruiters and um, decided on the Navy um, for multiple reasons. And uh, I went through the entire process. They take you through a huge security clearance. You have to go to their medical processing center and get um, get checked out by a bunch of doctors and make sure that you're physically fit to serve in the military because, yes, you are going in as a dentist, but they still expect you to be able to perform officer duties. Um, and so people with, like, type 1 diabetes, um, any, like, really major surgery, stuff like that, automatically disqualify you um, from being able to even get the scholarship. So, um, at least when I applied more often than not, it was the people that submitted the application first that didn't have any issues and um, basically met the, the requirements um, would get the scholarship. Um, it's a little bit different than dental school. They say, okay, we're going to get the people that are um, solid applicants and they're just going to get accepted. We're not going to compare them to, to everybody. Um, they kind of do like a board process, at least for the Navy, where they get let's say they get a round of like 50 applications and if they all meet the standards, all 50 people get the, the, the scholarship. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was going to ask you, so that's, that's yeah. great. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I, I give, I encourage, you know, I talk with a lot of, um, 
humans applying to dental school and encourage them to look for ways to to fund it outside of just traditional loans. So, uh, so, so what do they what do they pay for then? Uh, everything in dental school, Tyler? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was looking at the HPSP scholarship, and then I also was looking at the National Health Service scholarship that I was going to apply for if I didn't get the, the military one. Um, the reason I wanted the military one first was it's a four-year scholarship um, with the Navy. Um, I believe they're still doing this. It's a twenty thousand dollars signing bonus. Um, and then they pay for all four years of dental school and they give you a stipend while in dental school. Um, essentially the things you still have to worry about are living expenses. Um, that's pretty much all you have to worry about. Like my, my tuition, um, fees, everything was pretty much handled, um, by the scholarship. Um, and did you have to give them any then, kind of commitment while you were in dental school, or did it uh, did it not kick so in? So before until before you even start dental school, um, to actually get the scholarship, you have to be accepted to dental school. And then once you get accepted to the dental school, they give you the scholarship. Once they give you the scholarship, they commission you as an officer, and you're 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 pretty much committed <laughs> at that point. You raise your arm and and give the oath of office, and, and you're an officer. Um, so I commissioned i think it was early may of 2014 so uh what five months or so before i even started dental school um and so when you're in dental school you're actually an officer and so i was just a an ensign at the time so that's the first rank Um, did you have to do things you know uh like like reserve type of uh commitments or uh, do anything uh yeah so at least for the navy um i literally did absolutely nothing uh, while I was in the four years, except for going to school, um, they do require you to go through officer training, um, which is for the Navy six weeks. The reason I keep saying for the Navy is it's, it's, it varies just a little bit between the three branches. Um, and so not a lot, but it varies enough to where I can't say it's going to be the same for every branch. Um, but yeah, you have to go through this officer training, which is five to six weeks. And so I went literally two days after I graduated from dental school um, to Newport, uh, Rhode Island, and was there for about five, six weeks um, just doing learning how to be an officer, and it's basically indoctrination school. So they already expect you to know how to be a dentist. Now they're going to expect you to know how to be an officer, and that's what they do for the six weeks. Basically make sure you're physically fit, all that jazz. Dialing back a little bit, Todd, just curious, because I think our listeners would like to know, how many of these scholarships are, I mean, available? There's not an unlimited amount, but I, I heard you just say that right. if, you, if you qualify, you have a good chance of getting one. Yeah, as long as you, well, that's the thing. So as long as you apply early enough in advance, there's a pretty good chance. Um, it really depends on you and your recruiter. Now, that being said, so when I applied, there were about 100 scholarships for the Navy, just for, the Navy. For your so year. the Navy has about a hundred of the four-year scholarship, yeah. So the Navy has pretty much gone gotten rid of the two- and three-year scholarships, and they just offer four-year scholarships. I know the other branches still might offer them. Um, I think the Army is about 100, and then the Air Force was like maybe 20. Um, the Air Force is way more competitive just because there's a, a, a an idea that because you're going to the Air Force, you're going to be safer. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, um, when you're in any of the branches and you're an officer, um, especially when you graduate, you're not just a, 
an ensign anymore. You get promoted to a lieutenant or a captain in the other branches. And, um, you're really expensive, and so they really don't want to have you out in the front lines. Um, so you're, I mean, yeah, if you go to, if you're in the Army, you might go to Afghanistan. Same for the Air Force and the Navy. So, like, um, there is that perceived idea that the Air Force scholarship is better, um, but I don't necessarily think it is. That being said, um, their AEGD program is is pretty good. Um, you get to do a lot. With the Air Force AEGD, it's pretty well standardized from what I understand. And what are you doing? Uh, your first, I know we're going to talk a lot about this, but just catch us up. So you went for the five or six weeks of training. Now you're in Washington. Mm-hmm. and What's your day in a life mm-hmm. dentally now? Would you compare what you're doing to a GPR, different than a GPR, private practice? What? How would you describe that? Sure. So um, for the Navy, at least, the first year, you do what's called, you either do a residency, so you can do the GPR, AEGD, specialty, whatever, or you can do what's called a credentialing tour. I'm doing the credentialing tour. Essentially what that is is for the first year, um, they make sure that you're doing dentistry the way the Navy does it. Um, a lot of things come into play there. They have different uh, ways of classifying um, whether or not an, uh, a sailor is actually um, deployable, so they're able to go out on a sub or a ship or anything like that. Um, and my base in particular deals with submarines, so these guys go out, they deploy for a few months, come back for like a month or two, and then deploy again. So they deploy quite frequently, and so they're just teaching us what are the proper protocols, not necessarily like treatment planning and how to treatment plan, because I pretty much do composites all day. Um, I, I think I've done like two or three amalgams and that's about it. <laughs> uh, just cause they wanted to make sure that I could do it if I needed to. Um, but uh, basically my day, um, when it first started is I had one assistant and, um, half the day I'd probably just do exams all day or that, that part of the day. And then the other half I do some sort of operative, um, mostly fillings, um, but now that I'm halfway through the credentialing tour, I'm working through, um, they only let you do a certain amount of things and they want you to like essentially prove yourself uh, in certain situations. So um, initially I'm, I'm allowed to do fillings, crowns, all that stuff, regular extractions. But in order to be able to do like surgical extractions or bone grafting or CAD cam, I have to work under the supervision of somebody that's already privileged to do that. Um, so that they know that I'm following the proper procedures. And protocols that, that sounds like that. a good system, Tyler, because, you know, you know me, I'm a big GPR fan and, and I, you know, teach sure. it, teach it one and I did one. So it sounds like you're getting a, you know, great experience there with someone. So you have resources you can ask questions to. And yeah, yeah. And that, and that's the thing. So what the, that's what I was going to get at. So the credentialing tour is, it's essentially not a residency, but they put you in a place where you have lots of specialists. So I have an endodontist, periodontist, prosthodontist, oral surgeon all nearby that I can talk to about cases and work with them on some cases. Um, I did like a month-long rotation with the oral surgeon, um, mostly on uh, wisdom teeth and um, and emergencies and stuff like that. And they basically they basically have shaped the credentialing tour so that you can go out and be on a ship by yourself and be the only dentist there. Because um, there are ships other than aircraft carriers that they do put you on, um, mostly amphibious carriers. So the the carriers that take Marines out to go 
to go do things. And so um, there's, there is the possibility where you're the only dentist and you have to be able to manage whatever situation gets thrown at you. Um, so it's, it's a good program. It's not a, a residency. It's, it, you don't, it, do, it counts towards your payback, which is kind of why I went for that is because um, I'm kind of just doing the four years. And so this isn't um, counting against me. It's not saying, hey, you have to do an extra year. So in AGD or GPR, my, you my would have to do an extra year, right? It, that that is just the extra year. So the AEGD, you do that year, and then you do four years. Whereas gotcha. I do the credentialing tour, and then I do three years. I mean, one of our themes here, you know, it, you know, making purposeful decisions that Rob talks about, and uh, you know, I, I'm in, you know, their number one client. They gave me you know a whole award and everything here at the uh, Montgomery Law Firm. It's true, and yeah, uh, client of the month. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's probably probably like 35 <laughs> months running. Paul. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a top it's thing. A I got a gold gold start. Um, but what we talk about is, you know, I'm here in Rob's office, and he has associate attorneys who are great who I've worked with. But if they're working on a document or they're working on a, a case for them, their client is not physically here, right? So they can say, hey, let's talk mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, uh, Paul Goodman's Nacho Emporium Dental World. And, you know, it's just a good idea or bad right. idea. But in your world, in our world, our clients are there. So I just wanted to, and it sounds like you have a great thing. So you're, you could go ask someone a question while you're working on a patient and it would be normal for them to come over and help you. Uh, it could be, yeah. Um, it depends on the, the situation. So if I treatment plan something that normally a specialist would do, I would either go talk to them and say, hey, are you okay with me working on this if I'm not privileged? Um, and then just coming to get you if I need help. And then they say, yeah, that's okay. Or, hey, no, schedule with me, block off your schedule, and we'll work together sort of deal. But, yeah, that's kind of normal. Because um, what I say – my command, we're kind of, go ahead. What I share with young dentists is that – it's not about the dentist. It's actually about the patient. So when you're a GPR, AGD, or it right. sounds like where you are, the patient feels that that's normal, where you're working on something, uh, placing an implant, and then you say, I want to ask a question. You bring over someone who knows, a specialist, and they say, oh, you know, you should put it a little deeper, let's say. It's just an example. You know, in private practice, yeah, yeah. it's oh, very yeah, totally normal. It's very hard to do that in private practice because the patient just don't think that's normal. And they should, and I wish they right. did. Because when you go to the hospital, I mean, we just both had uh, small human beings that live in our house now. They pay zero rent, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're just there. I'm sure when you went to the hospital, we, you know, our last child, like, there's there's residents, there's people learning, there's people coming in. And we just think that's normal as a, a medical patient. But it's we've taken sure. this dental patient world, and we put it in a place for the patients where I just don't think it's it's not good for anybody. I mean, if my associate has a question in the middle of the day, how does this implant crown get inserted? I'm comfortable walking in and doing it and helping them in front of the patient. And I always say, you know, hey, thanks for sharing your joy of dentisting with me. I'm here. Dr. Ron and I are going to work on this together. But I'm really seasoned as a GPR teacher. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most dentists are really uncomfortable with that. And, you know, I'm just wanting to make a point to listeners about why extra training prior to going out into the quote unquote real world, whether it's something that you've signed up for for four years, as you have, or voluntarily do as AG or GPR is so critical you know, to build your core for the rest of your dentisting career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's a really nice thing about the, the Navy is there's a real community that exists um, within dentistry and even sort of medical because um, we share a clinic with the medical. And so it's really easy to just refer patients back and forth um, and work together on cases. Um, 
And it's really like, I, I'm not going to say it's a judge-free zone, but we do try and work together and we understand that there's problems and, um, and we all work together to try and fix it. I like that. Um, that's cool. Nice. So Tyler, so even before you, you were in the Navy, you know, your experience uh, Midwestern dental school is a little different from that of a lot of other folks. So I think if you could talk to our listeners about uh, about that dental school and kind of what opportunities it provides for more kind of accelerated clinical experience, I, I think that'd be cool for our listeners to hear about. Sure. Yeah. So um, when I initially interviewed, I initially I interviewed at five different schools. Um, let's see, it was UW, Roseman, UNLV, Marquette, Midwestern. I think that was five. I don't remember. Anyways, um, all of them were a little unique, but um, Midwestern was quite different. Um, their philosophies are um, a lot of it is based off of what UOP. Um, believes they're more humanist, have a much more humanistic approach. Um, all the doctors there, except for a few of them, are on year-to-year contracts, and so um, the school really wants to make sure that the students are um, benefiting from having the faculty there. You know, so it's kind of a reverse thinking. Normally, it's, you think, oh, the faculty are there to help the students. Well, they are. They actually need to be there and actually need to be helping the students because. They don't get a free ride and and just go to go to work and clock in and clock out and so reverse um, the reverse of tenure which is yeah it's like somebody that. said for that huh? yes it's the it's the exact reverse <laughs> um, and the only two I think there's only two that actually have tenure and the reason they do is because they publish papers and go teach and all that stuff um, outside of just the school um, but essentially. What uh, also makes us really different is um, our third and fourth year, um, they don't just leave us by ourselves. They actually pair us up. So there's a D3 and a D4 that work together all year, and they kind of have us working in like a practice, private practice model. So we get new patients come in, we screen them, and then if we accept them, um, they become our patients. So that's something that's a little different as well, because sometimes um, I know other schools, you screen patients all day and you're screening patients for the school to see if they can come in. For us, it's they're screening patients to see us. And so um, what's unique is we actually, at least my partnership, we actually denied patients about maybe 30 to 40% of the time um, because, A, we were too busy um, if we if we couldn't see them, we could give them to another student pair if they wanted to see them. But we were either too busy or they were too complex. Um, something else that's different about the school is we're literally uh, maybe 30 minutes from one of the largest retirement communities in the country. Um, and so we get a lot of geriatric patients. I'd say maybe 75% of my patients were over 65. Um, it was not uncommon for me to work on 90-year-old patients. And that, Tyler, I think is – uh, thanks for sharing that part so far. So, you know, one mm-hmm. of my concerns, I was just at Penn lecturing and do things at Temple and different schools, is that there just aren't enough cases for dental students to get the uh, adequate number of reps to be, you know, proficient or at least have mm-hmm. experience because it's tough. You know, the 
schools can't run totally for free. They have to pay for the treatment somehow. Insurance has changed dramatically. I mean, schools are kind of traditionally take insurances that you might think of are not as great as the private practice, but they still have to pay something. So it sounds like in your, mm-hmm. you guys had a great scenario because this retirement community, they probably were getting lower cost dental care than private practice. Um, right. And so was, was that just common? People were just paying for this work that they needed done out of pocket, so to speak. Right, yeah. So I think, at least when I was there, they were only accepting two insurances and the rest were cash. Um, the only Medicaid we took were kids, and we didn't really see a whole lot of kids. <laughs> Our rota- We had some pediatric rotations, but other than that, we didn't see a lot of children. Um, the majority of the services were 50% or more. Um, off and so our root canals used to be they were six hundred dollars um but we the the faculty started noticing that more people were opting to just get their teeth taken out than getting a root canal and a crown and so what the school actually did is they cut the prices and so a root canal there is 125 bucks oh that's awesome um (laughs) uh, so that people would actually get the root canals done um and so it's 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 a really cool dynamic. We also have uh, a ton of CAD CAM. Like I think when I was there, we had seven or eight mills, just the mills, not even the the laptops with software. Um, we were, were using E4D. I mean, I, I think what you're um, sharing is and they were starting to implement Surac. Maybe in Rob's next career, he's going to go to dental school. I'm not sure. He worked with so many dentists. He just loves his, the career so much. I don't know if he's. Well, gonna... I don't need to go. I just, I just, I'm just absorbing. Yeah, it all, yeah. Right? It's just, it's it's but uh, what it's what really bothers me is that you know I you know I make a few jokes about like you never hear a doctor saying hey I couldn't get my medical degree I didn't have enough cases of scurvy to treat you know and uh, mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> right. you should you should hang out with more <laughs> no, no, pirates because pi- that was a test question yeah. a pirate might have scurvy I don't know what that maybe so so you know that, that <laughs> where's this going that was my my, uh, it was a good nacho rant I because heard that because uh, you've heard because right now what's happening right now is just sheer anxiety and terror for a lot of dental students who are trying to finish dental school because they don't have enough cases but they have no control over getting the cases and to mm-hmm. me this is just insanely horrible and the school should provide enough cases and whatever need way they need to do do this because the you know the students. Sure don't have control and i commend midwestern for making a really good decision and lowering the price of root canals so that there's it was a win-win the students could get better experience patients could keep their teeth and it just that's a there's a story here rarely here instead of schools sort of having the same protocol like well if they can't pay 500 dollars for a root canal and 700 for a crown they can't get it and uh that just doesn't help anybody so um i you know right yeah (laughs) No, and, like, it, it's great because the patient sees their students the entire time. And so even when the fourth year leaves, so, like, when I left, my third year took over the fourth year spot, and then he had a um, the third year. And so there's a con- really con- a continuation of care, um, especially when they even go to the specialist. So we don't have any residents other than a few oral surgeon residents that come through every so often. Um, but when we send someone to go to the specialist, we go with them. So we actually follow up with the case um, in cases for like implants. Sometimes students get to place implants. Um, it's expected of us to be able to use the laser 
to be able to restore implants. Um, those are actual requirements that well, we need. Well, you to brought have up something. Graduate. You know, sometimes we're on this podcast and people start talking about torts, briefs, and leases. Rob gets very excited. <laughs> so now, implants. To me, I just love that because. Only that you know, it, placing up a dental implant to me should just be like any other procedure where you do some and you refer some, just like root canals, extraction, mm-hmm. seeing kids. For some reason, implants have taken up, took on this weird place where either you did all or none, or just for periodontists, none for general dentists, which was just very dramatic for dentists, not surprisingly. Um, so I like mm-hmm. your 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 experience was to learn to do it at an early age, and you think it's normal to do an implant, and I can tell you really love implants. So tell us a little about you're doing some of this. Uh, in private practice, do you get to do it in the Navy yet, or do you have to do more training for that? <laughs> so, yeah, so with the Navy, they're um, pretty restrictive when it comes to um, specialty procedures. So, like I said, even a surgical extraction is considered more of a specialty-type procedure. So if you ever do a credentialing tour, you're not allowed to do a surgical extraction unless you have been privileged to do that. Now, when it comes to implants, I don't even get the option to be able to place the implants. I can get privileged to restore them, but the way that the um, policies are written, only what's called a comprehensive dentist, so someone that does a two-year general dentistry residency is even has the option to be able to place implants. And for them, it's not even guaranteed. So mostly it's still a specialty procedure, um, at least in the Navy. Now, in, my, in private practice, um, I'm working for... There's three docs that are um, basically refer cases to me and I place implants for them because I was able to do a lot of cases in school and I've done a lot of CE and continuing education while in school and after. Um, but I've been able, I've been Paul, working. Paul's smiling right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's that like makes him happy to hear. Well, Tyler knows me. I mean, tell us, I mean, this is great for you. And so I had a poll once where I said, should a dentist invest, you know, few thousand dollars in dental school to take private CE and it got all kinds of different answers and then you that was I think when we started connecting a lot I mean I just believe that you know you're whether you're taking out it's not only about taking out money I mean you're investing four years of your life as you are um, Mm -hmm. and whether you have loans or don't have loans I actually think it's more important if you do have loans because private CE will help you learn to pay them back uh, faster but you being on the the, the young dentist, uh, tell us about your C experience in school and what you would encourage current dental students to do to be like a Tyler Bond and how you found these courses. Right. So um, I was in school, and so when I applied to dental school, I wasn't sure that I wanted to, whether I wanted to be a doctor or a dentist. And so I guess we'll start back there is where I was, I was shadowing dentists and, and doctors, and I was shadowing this general dentist, and he took me up to um, this uh, institute because he wanted me to see a really cool procedure that was being done. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, I didn't really understand, so I skipped. I skipped uh, biochem and went to to this procedure with him up at a uh, doctor's name. His name's P.K. Clark up at the uh, Whitecap Institute in uh, Utah. And uh, apparently, we were doing. It was a bunch of sinus lifts and a bunch of implants. I'm just like, wait, what? general dentists can do this stuff. I am so confused right now. And I thought it was awesome. And so um, that's actually why I went into dentistry is because I was like, I did not know general dentists could actually like be doing some of this stuff. And so anyways, fast forward, uh, my third year, I actually reached out to PK. I went and, went and did a course with him because um, he offered a student discount. And um, whether you know it or not, Tons of places are willing to flash their prices in at least 50% for 
for you to come to their course as a student. Um, so I went and did his course. I went and did um, a few of the Bicon courses. We Bicon is one of the implants we use at Midwestern, and so they were offering really deep discount um, for us to go do some of their courses. So I went and did a actual hands-on implant course down in Cartagena, Colombia. That was really crazy. Um, I've done a ton of courses. I can't even keep track. You were able to were you able to do hands-on work in Colombia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually did, I think I did like eight or nine implants on some cases that were just really tough. And that's I had a, that's the place for Rob. There's I no even. rules, so we're going to bring Rob down there and see if he can do <laughs> it, Tyler. It's, it's, it's <laughs> crazy, cool. man. I yeah. tell you what. Like, we put, we put implants in like, so there's, there's one case in particular. I remember I'm looking at this patient and I, 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 I did a few implants at this point um, before even going to the course. And I look at the site and I'm like, there is no way you would be doing this in the United States. Essentially, the, the lingual plate had about five millimeters more. Just the lingual plate was five millimeters higher than the buccal plate. And you're looking at it, and the IA is like maybe seven, eight millimeters away from the buccal plate. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, it was a really good experience to learn how to manage more tough cases, but like some of the cases we did there, I'm like, no, I will never do these. And, and that's just US. important too. And I, you know, I share that all the time. So I, I run so much CE and I always offer student discounts and I try to impress upon students that, you know, it's, it's a twofold part. One, you're going to see cool stuff clinically, but just as important, you're going to get to hang out with dentists who are young, medium aged and seasoned. And I'm sure that, you know, you had such a great experience just talking to private practice dentist at these places and just had a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lo- an amazing impact on your career at a young age. So I just think I, you know, such a good role model for that because like you said, uh, we both have children or babies in our house. Everybody loves a baby, right? A baby mm-hmm. he doesn't do anything. Oh, yeah. Baby doesn't bring in any money, uh, causes a lot of ruckus and everyone <laughs> loves the baby. And it's kind of like dental students. Everyone loves the baby dental students because Oh Every, yeah! Everybody went through dental school, and they're like they're just very interesting dentists. I mean, we we both do a lot of online Facebook stuff. We have time to talk about that. Dentists uh, are not always that nice to each other, right? But mm-hmm. I have found even the toughest dentist who might give me grief if I bring that person to a C course, they're still very nice to the dental students because they think I went through that oh, garbage. Always. So I just think it's so wonderful for dental students to get outside the dental school, go to places where they're treated almost 180 degrees different than in dental school, right? And, and uh, just, you know, find themselves learning about what they want to do. And, you know, Rob's helped me with that a lot, too, with net. I mean, it's, you know, it's the power of networking and meeting people. So I appreciate sure. you sharing that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such yeah, a it's, just good it's message. It's super funny. <laughs> Every time I go to, like, a, or when I was in school, when I'd go to, like, a really expensive, like, um, course that was normally, like, $10,000 or something like that, the educator always says, oh, and we've got this dental student here, and he's only in his third year of dental school. I'm like, wow, these people like really love having dental students. Like, Even though they're giving a huge discount, they like having yeah, Very true. Everyone likes a baby. That's you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally proved your point. <laughs> hey, Tyler, so in, in addition to kind of getting out and meeting people in, in that context at, at CEs, you also have taken the uh, the unconventional approach of – uh, getting your name out there with your website, right? So if you can tell mm-hmm. tell folks about what you what you did with that and what your experience has been there. 
Sure. So I, I actually originally created my website with the idea of people were constantly, students in particular, were constantly asking me, how are you able to do like these cases and stuff like that? And what kind of CE courses are you going to? And I noticed I was constantly just saying the exact same things over and over again. I was recommending the exact same courses over and over again. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I love talking to these people, but I'm having the exact same conversation like 20 times in a row. I'm going to just make a website um, just showing what my credentials are and what CE I actually liked. Um, and so I made this online website with my, my just literally my CE was CV was just a PDF and, um, it could show what courses I liked. I put notable CE and everything that I felt was worthwhile was on there. And so um, that's where it originally started. And then it got to the point where, oh, I should probably try and um, keep my implant education going and uh, keep getting cases because if I don't do implants in the Navy for four years, I'm going to forget some stuff. Um, and so I expanded it to where... I actually like put like my hobbies, a little bit about me, about my Midwestern experience, put some cases on there. Um, and then I actually um, sent out uh, a Facebook campaign and um, some mailers to just local dentists saying, hey, I place implants. If you don't place implants right now and you want someone to come into your office, we both make money and get more implants in your practice. Be more than happy to do that. And um, that's essentially where this this whole website started from. And um, when I was in school, I did a little bit of HTML coding, um, not a lot. And now that I graduated dental school, it's been, it's a lot easier to make a website. <laughs> and so I just I'm literally using Squarespace, and that's how I designed my own website. I went out and um, I paid someone 200 bucks to design a logo for me. Um, that I, that is mine and it just kind of took off from there. And so I'm going to be using the same website to find a job in, in North Carolina. That's really cool. You have to be careful. Next thing you know, you're going to be doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah I know. Right. I like that. Oh no, 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 no. Don't. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, my friend. Hey, I, I'm so, I am so busy right now. I can't. <laughs> it seems like kids and an extra job. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us, so do you, uh, how do you promote the website? How do dentists find you to hire you? Do, are you doing extensive SEO or, uh, do you pay per click no. advertising? Like, <laughs> just, how do you get it out there? No, I'm not doing any of that. I, uh, so I literally sent out just a postcard, um, or a mailer to about a hundred dentists in the County. Um, and with that, and then like a one or two week Facebook campaign, just to try it. Um, I got five people, six people interviewing me or cool. had interviewed me and I work for three of them. That's great. If I, so, another way to find a yeah, job. Right, Paul? If, if I could just jump in, I just think it's, it's really, uh, smart of you. It's also, I do a ton of, uh, associate matchmaking and I enjoy it. I've done it well before Dr. Nacho and dental nachos, but now it's just more is that your skill set of having something that you do that the dentists don't do it's just so valuable because, you know, even if you didn't know his implants as well as Tyler, if you could do, you know, just the simple cases, it's a way for the dentist to put things in your schedule and then you could fill around with other mm -hmm. stuff. But 
I've shared this mm-hmm. all the time is that the people looking to hire associates are mainly doing cleanings, fillings, and crowns. And they want the associate to do something they don't do because they're doing the cleanings, fillings, and crowns. And you need to be able to offer some services that the dentists don't do well, right? You have, it has to be responsible. You can't right. just say, hey, I'm going to do lateral window sinus list. But that's just the reason that I'm such a big fan of one of the big reasons of extra training, GPR, AGD, or what you're mm-hmm. doing, because you're able to, you know, find jobs where you can thrive, you know, make more money and have stuff to right. do. And if, you know, two people are trying to do the restorative dentistry, there's just usually not going to be enough uh, for the younger associate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's something I did run into. So I had a fourth doc that I was working for and I would come in and I was just doing maybe a few exams, a few cleanings and like a filling and it was a Medicaid practice. So luckily I was getting paid on a daily, daily guarantee, but uh, <laughs> that one didn't work out so well. And I was working more doing that than I was just doing my surgical uh, gigs. Yeah. Nice. So, That's awesome. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Find something that uh, most people don't do. And if you can say, Hey, I can bring this added value to, to your practice. Um, it's a really easy way to, uh, get the doctors to say yes (laughs) that's cool it's uh you've you've clearly you know done a lot of uh a lot of planning and and kind of taking taking the initiative to to kind of get get to a different place and i totally respect that it's really cool to to hear that uh tyler tell us uh if uh our listeners want to get in touch with you uh what's the uh what's the best way for them to do that i mean so my website uh can just go there and do the contact us. And what, uh, what is Tyler the, uh, what's your, uh, what's the oh. uh, URL for that? It's uh, Tyler Bond DMD or drtylerbond.com. Um, either of those will take you to the same website. Okay. Um, I'm kind of a uh, dom- domain fiend, so I've, oh, I went out and bought a bunch of domains. You've colored, <laughs> co- you've covered, uh, yeah, totally cornered the, uh, the Tyler Bond uh, URL uh, on <laughs> Uh, not just Tyler Bond. I uh, I got a bunch of other ones <laughs> as well that are implant related. But uh, yeah, you can either go there or you can just email me at uh, Doctor Bond at HappyHealthySmiles dot com. Cool. All right. Great. And we'll put um, that up uh, either way on our show notes too. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time today, Tyler. It was uh, it was nice. And I think there's a lot of yeah, good stuff of here for our listeners, and uh, appreciate it. Great. Great talking to you, Tyler. I hope we yeah. get a chance to have those spicy nachos in person sometime. Uh, soon oh yeah <laughs> yes we've got to <laughs> have a great day that was cool definitely tyler bond not taking the uh the road that everybody else is on through yeah, his dental career building himself up early which is so important learning things that he can use for the rest of his career i you know just compliment him on all the it's a lot of energy to do that as a dental student and he's a young dentist to find those courses to go to and realize how important it is. So I just think it's a great role model for young dentists. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's totally loaded between, you know, the, uh, the CE, what he's done, his current military experience, you know, what he did in, in dental school. I mean, he's definitely, you know, coming to the table with, with a lot of, uh, a lot of experience, probably much more than a lot of his peers. And then it's exciting to me to hear somebody that's really taking the initiative and it's not kind of going through the, uh, the job search, uh, process yeah. in the conventional yeah, way, be, went out and did a website being active and, and uh, yeah, you know, we in the beginning when he was telling us about a utilizing the military to pay for dental school. I think that's just a, a big win in 2019 here with dental school pricing to be is, is high. And also, then it, on the other side, 
it, he's in an environment where he's working with bigger, stronger dentists and they're around to give them guidance. And that's just great. Yeah. It's a, it's a win-win in that regard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, whether it's a GPR, AGD and it's a, what we had talked about, uh, in private practice where I am, uh, where I am, uh, battling it out, dentisting with my crew, it's great, but you know, do you know, going as a patient, it's not normal for someone to come into the room when you're a dental patient. So the more you can do as a young dentist with people helping you it changes your career forever. Yeah, it's great. Cool. All right, Paul. Fun as always. Yeah, awesome, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.